Welcome back to the Leaderling Podcast. This is Charles. And I'm Josh. And today we're going to talk about safety in the workplace. Okay. This is a fun topic. Right? Yeah. Um, are we talking about, like, locking doors and knowing where the storm shelter areas are? No. No. Okay. Today we're talking okay. about how people feel in Got the workplace. So I recently did a showcase video, um, like a, a short, I say short 10 minute video about yeah. this topic. And it really s- started with the concept of psychological safety, which, uh, means that people feel safe, uh, speaking up without fear of punishment or humiliation. Okay. Uh, it's a term that's been around for a long time. It was really popularized, uh, by Amy Edmondson, um, I believe with Harvard, Harvard. Uh, but it's been a, the concept's been around for about sixty years, and and it's really geared towards safety in terms of the team level, and and I I kind of expanded on that a little bit in the video, and I talked about safety at the individual level. Okay. So there's there's the idea of being safe to speak up with the team, but there's also the f- feeling of safety when you talk about that individual dyadic relationship with the leader and their subordinate. Okay. So, so this, why, why is this, why is, why is this important? Like why, why do we even need to be thinking about this type of thing? Well, there's a lot of reasons. The first one is you, you kind of, we're talking about this, the physical security of the workplace, the locking of the doors and things like that. I think a lot of people, especially in today's, environment workplace violence is a big topic right i think one of the best ways to prevent workplace violence is to establish an environment where people feel safe Hmm. and i'm not talking about physically safe necessarily but where where the people on your team feel respected they feel valued they feel heard because Workplace violence, I think a lot of times you have somebody who has felt dejected, embarrassed maybe, or something happened and and it wasn't communicated in in a a proper way and their response was violence. Yeah, I mean, I think that we spend most of our life at work and if you can't healthily process through being a human being in the workplace... And again, I'm not saying that your workplace needs to be a one-stop shop for your counseling, therapy, physical, all that kind of need. But I do think that there's a reality to, to which we build our, in some way, we build our lives around the the interactions and the work that we do at our in our workplace. And so having that be an environment where we can process through things properly is very important to preventing some of these physical manifestations that can end up being workplace violence and other things. Sure. Yeah. And this is an interesting topic because some people hear about this idea and they think, well, this is a soft kind of thing that, you know, you're, you're being too soft with your employees. Right. And, and if, if you have that perspective, then you, you probably don't want to listen to the rest of the episode because I, I'm a firm believer that, treating your employees as humans, as individual people, right. rather than as a number yeah. um, is critical. Yeah. And, and, and making them feel safe in that environment 
is critical because sure. if if people don't feel safe and and there's a lot of ways we're, we're we'll talk about how to make people feel safe in a little bit they're not going to give their best efforts right they're not going to trust you they're as as a friend of mine says they're going to be using your computer system to search for other jobs right. and taking sick time or a vacation day with your money yeah. to interview for another job right right that's just yeah. That's just the reality. Sure. If, if people don't feel like they can go to work and uh, feel comfortable in their environment, that they will, they'll, they'll search for another job and their productivity will right. plummet. Yeah. And I, I think safe has become a politicized word, sure. right? We think about safe spaces on colleges, yeah. campuses, and, you know, um, kind of the, the political concepts and ideologies behind, you know, the, the idea of safe workplace, safe spaces, and I think that it, what we're talking about is not a political reality. What we're talking about is a, a reality that engaging human beings requires to keep them healthy. Um, because I think you can be a firm, strong leader and still have a quote-unquote safe workplace. Um, I mean, so I just finished reading a book called Nimitz at War, and it was a... Biographical study on Chester Nimitz, who was the admiral over the Pacific area in World War II, and tracing his his leadership principles and styles. And I think Nimitz is a really good example of. I mean, the guy was a full admiral in the U.S. Navy. He wasn't a softy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't creating a place where people could get away with saying anything, or who could get away from him if he had something to say to them. But what he did do was he created an environment in which his officers and even his junior officers could speak their mind and do so persuasively, but at the end of the day, he was the he was the direction setter. He was the decision maker, and he valued their input. He took their input. Sometimes he adjusted what he was thinking, but he was still the one who was in charge, and in several times he had to shoot people down uh, from their ideas or from their hard charging, but... But he did so in a way that, I mean, mo- many of his subordinates, uh, Raymond Spruance, uh, Charlie Lockwood, who was over the submarine force in the, the Pacific, like they all got buried next to Nimitz because they respected him so much. Mm. Um, so so, so I, I say all that to say, please, if you're listening to this, when we say safety in the workplace, we are not talking about a political ideology. We're talking about the reality of being a great leader because yeah. great leaders – Take care of their people. Yeah, this has right? absolutely nothing yeah, to do with yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how then, Charles? Well, do well, hold on, before we move on. Yeah. You you said that basically talking about this this Navy example, it doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable, right? And, and that's 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 one of the things where, where I think sometimes this concept gets a bad rap in the way for leaders is that. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're going to take care of everyone with white gloves right. and baby yeah. and coddle people. No, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. In fact, if you don't hold people accountable, others are watching and they will notice that. Right. And that will also uh, affect uh, performance and motivation yeah. negatively. Right. So the, the, the whole point is, is that while you still hold them accountable, the conversation is respectful. Sure. Right, and I don't have to agree, but the conversation is at least respectful. Yeah, and, that's and a good way to put it. Yeah, people have dignity. Right, and yeah. So, yeah. all right. So now I just wanted to. 
No, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that makes me think about just kind of the the concept of freedom, right? And that no one is truly free to do whatever they want, right? And I think that's a lot of the way that people think about safety in the workplace is, oh, you're just telling me that I have to let people get away with everything. No, because if you let everyone do whatever they want and get away with it, everyone is hurt by that, Yeah. right? Uh, that's hell on earth, basically. If everybody got to do what was right in their own eyes, it's it's destructive, yes? Um, and so I think that... that accountability is a necessity for for safety right it's not just something that um a safe workplace does accountability creates safety uh in in many ways um so anyway yeah let's well, so let's talk about okay more discussion yeah so so uh accountability it because people are watching and, yeah. and if 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 people are allowed to do whatever they want to do and they're not held accountable when, when then when they need to be, yeah, yeah, say, yeah. you're going to create equity issues. Okay. So, um, equity issues can be very damaging in, in any organization when, when I, so essentially the idea is that I'm giving a certain amount of effort for a, an outcome. Yeah. Like I put in effort, I get an outcome. If I believe that somebody else puts in less effort and gets mm. a better outcome, then I perceive an equity issue. Got it. If you don't hold people accountable, then that the questions begin to arise of, okay, well, how much input do I actually need to put in? And if I do that input, will I get the output that I'm looking for? Right. So, all right. No, I'm good stuff. Back off the tangents. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm, this is a fun conversation. Yeah. This is why I love doing this with you. Um, okay, so Charles, you're legitimately an expert in this field. Um, <laughs> so tell me, what are some steps, some practical takeaways for leaders who are listening to this podcast to create or to begin moving towards creating a surf- safe workplace or helping them recognize that maybe they're already creating a safe workplace and they just don't know it? Yeah. Uh, well, my first takeaway or my first step would be that as leaders, we sometimes need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. And, and, and I say that because we're going to have conversations with people that are not comfortable. They're not necessarily fun. Um, and our own emotions may be flaring. Right. We, we may feel anger or frustration or, uh, disappointment or maybe even embarrassment. Sure. We have to feel as as leaders. We have to feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable because we have the power in yeah. that relationship, yeah. and that that's just, that's just the simple fact that you have a position of authority. Right. Any kind of the any kind of conversation you have with a direct report, if they don't feel safe, the, the, first of all, they're not going to really open up to you. But because you have that position of authority, in yeah. order for them to communicate with you, you have to be able to check your own emotions. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I think, you know, embracing the awkward is probably one of the hardest things to do. But once you are comfortable embracing the awkward, it unleashes you as a leader, man, to have conversations that need to be had, to right wrongs, to... um, I mean, I, I really think that once you're able to just be like, okay, this... I think just admitting to yourself this is going to suck, admitting to yourself that this conversation is going to be 
probably not eloquent or articulate or I think all too often we watch movies and TV where the boss, you know, brings the subordinate into the office and they give this, you know, fiery speech and they walk off either corrected and, and you know, or they you know, fire the person, whatever. I've never had that happen to me. <laughs> and, I, and I'm pretty good with words and I'm pretty good with people. Um, when I have to call, a, you know, a subordinate in and have a conversation for, you know, feedback or accountability, it's just like, hey, this is... I need to have an awkward conversation. This is going to be weird. Right? Mm-hmm. Especially for me, because I, ha- I have had several people who are older than me who um, who report to me and who I'm I'm their leader. I'm their boss. I'm, And so having those conversations is incredibly difficult and weird. Because like this one lady is, is my mother's age and reminds me of my mother in so many ways. And so those conversations are just like, hey, look, this is, this is awkward, but... We've yeah. got to talk. So, um, yeah. But, but it's it's the leader's responsibility That's to right. to have those conversations yeah. and hold, we bear. hold people right. accountable. And 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 I think you know it, sometimes those conversations are not fun. Right. Um, actually, if you're disciplining people and you feel like it's fun, that could be some sort of pathological <laughs> yeah. issue. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but when as you were talking, I, I got I started thinking and really giving yourself permission. Yeah. Giving yourself permission, going into an interaction, knowing that it's not going to necessarily be fun, but giving yourself permission to experience maybe uncomfortableness and then respond in a constructive way. It requires checking your ego. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we talked about ego and humility, I think last season, but it's not easy. Right. Checking your ego. No, it's not. Because if we have that position of authority, we're there for a reason, right? So right. we must we must know something that yeah. others don't to have gotten us here. But that's not always the case. Sometimes we kiss the right butts. Yeah. We just happen to scoot in at the right time. Yeah. yeah. Just because you have authority doesn't mean that you're automatically competent Correct. to be a leader. Correct. All right, number two. Yes. Uh, I think open communication channels is a very, very, very important. Creating real, genuine feedback loops for people um, to communicate. And I think sometimes as a leader, we need to be okay with those feedback loops not including us as far as being the first contact. Um, I I think it's a one of the things that I, I feel like we've set up well at our church staff is that because we have multiple levels of leadership, if like a direct report of mine feels like I'm not doing something or mm-hmm. I'm doing something wrong or I'm, you know, not serving them well, they can come to me. And oftentimes they do, right? But if they feel like it's a bigger thing, then we have given permission to go to my supervisor, right? Um, and have that conversation, let them know, and we'll work on it, right? So I think that creates a, and, and again, in, an, in a toxic work environment, that might be a, mm-hmm. a dangerous thing because people are just always going over your head to say, oh, look at my, uh, but I think in a, in, a, in a work environment in which there is a healthy team culture that's being created and worked on, um, and, and there's knowledge of each other, right, then it, then it allows you to have those open channels and feedback loops, um, that that improve and don't degrade 
our efficiency and our effectiveness. Yeah, you know the the idea of jumping rank, yeah. you know, going over people's heads right. when, when when things aren't working. I think the open door policy is important mm-hmm. to have, but at the same time it can be it can be dangerous depending on how it's used. Correct, yeah. So so if if I report to you Hopefully, we have a, a a decent enough relationship where information is flowing both ways. But then, what happens if I if I have a problem with you and I can't talk to you about it, right? Or I try to talk to you about it. For example, I had I had this situation where my boss told me he he said I I was the most difficult person he's ever had to supervise. <laughs> And and I said, well, I don't want it to be that way. Yeah. And he said, well, that's just going to be the nature of our relationship. So that was not a safe environment for me, Correct. right? Yeah. And and for him, it probably didn't feel safe either because clearly I was difficult Most, to supervise. Right. But when when that conversation happened, I went over his head. Yeah. And it it didn't work out. Right. You know, I mean, this is the thing is, is in a toxic workplace. Yeah. If, if, if you go over somebody's head, sometimes it can be even more devastating. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah, And I think that's that, like you said, that that an intuitive and intelligent leader who knows his people can know when to deflect something like a jump level like that, or know when it needs to be acted upon. But it takes an intuitive and intelligent leader who knows his people to, to write that. So if that per you know, if somebody, if one of my, you know, if one of the people I serve was to go to my boss, um, I trust him enough that he would be able to be like, that's not an issue that, that I'm going to handle. You need to talk to Josh about that. Or thank you for sharing that. That's really not, that's not here. For, that's not something we need to be talking about. Um, or, Hey, I appreciate the feedback. I'll talk to Josh about it, but you don't need to worry about it anymore. Right. Um, but if you don't have that trust built in, then that's like you said, in your situation, it can be devastating. Cause obviously there was no trust between you and either of your next two levels and vice versa. Um, so just a bad situation all around. Right. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and creating those open communication channels, it takes a lot of work yeah. on the, on the yeah. part of the leader. Right. So this isn't just something that magically happens one day. Correct. And, and I think that, <laughs> you know, if, if, if you, if you're trying to create that kind of open communication in an, in an environment where it hasn't really existed, right. You're going to have to overcome some trust issues. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're an open door policy person and take that too literally and remove the doors, it's not going to work either because when people come to talk to you about those things, they want to be able to talk to you in private. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. I mean, you remember back then, back in the day when that, when people actually did that to communicate how strongly they believed in the open door policy, they were like, we're going to um, take all the doors off our offices. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing ever. That, that <laughs> I appreciate the symbolism behind it, but also yeah. it invalidates the whole point of, Hey, a person wants to come talk to me. I'm an open door, but they have things they need to say in private. Well, no more, right? Right. So, um, anyways, I don't think people do that anymore because lesson was learned pretty quickly. But anywho, yeah, you talk about p- creating an environment where somebody doesn't feel safe. They right. want to come 
talk to you about something that's difficult. Yeah. And then everybody can hear. Yeah. That, that's just that. That's it, the opposite of safe. That don't work, right. So. <laughs> so, so then the third one, we'll do this one quick, is the uh, when, when you do have to have that conversation with somebody, uh, preparing them, yeah. right? It, it's, it's more than just calling, calling a meeting, delivering negative news right. or bad news. Right. Um, yeah. So how, how, do you, how do you do that? Well, I, I mean, this is really not rocket science. It's just it goes back to embracing the awkward when somebody, ha- when you have to give some kind of feedback or accountability that's not positive in the sense of you're praising them or celebrating them or championing them, um, when you're having to have a coaching conversation that has a negative tint to it, just open the conversation with, hey, we're about to have to have a, this is going to be a feedback conversation. You know, this is going to be a, um, just set the stage for what we're about to talk about is not going to be sugar plums and fairies mm-hmm. right um and in doing that give a person a moment to process that because i think you know this is something that you've taught me is just even in our the the neurology of our brain where thoughts come from uh is is a is a trigger for how those thoughts are then expressed mm-hmm. right and so I think if you set the expectation for someone and give them a moment to get their their minds literally thinking in the right place, um, not in the emotional you know zones, but in the more uh, rational zones, then having that conversation goes, oh yeah, you know what I am I am dropping you know, and it may not be that easy, but 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 it can't it, it prepares the person to receive that without them thinking oh they think I'm doing a terrible job. And spiraling out of control, or you know, moving to anger, you can you can try your best. You can do everything in your power to to try to keep it on a rational. This is not a judgment on you. This is simply something that we need to do better. Right? Yeah, and and this kind of goes back to something we've talked about before with the uncertainty. If if people are are put in a position where they're right. uncertain about what's right. about to happen. Right. Uh, they they don't they don't automatically assume they're getting a raise and you yeah. know out of boys and all that good right. stuff. They automatically will fill that void That's with right. with oh my gosh the the worst yeah. case scenarios. So preparing for constructive feedback, I think, goes even further back to not just when they walk into your office, but if you have to send a text or an email or call them, set them up and let them know. Hey, yeah. Yeah. we're we're gonna have a conversation about such and such right. that way that they can go ahead and process that emotional yeah. uh, experience and then come with a clearer head because right. as soon as you hit somebody with uncertainty or, or if you hit them with negative news, yeah. their, their body is going to be they're physiologically, they're going to be Correct. in a, in a, in a feeling threatened. Yes. And so preparing them as early on as possible yeah. is I think I think a good call. Yeah. Good word. All right, well hopefully that was helpful and we are going to wrap it up for today. All right, man. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Leader Link podcast. If you like what you heard, leave us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we want to know what you want to hear about when it comes to leadership. You can leave us a comment or send an email to info@jcleadershipconsulting.com and we'll see you next time.